0: This is Isabel in San Dimas, Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around San Dimas. I am Isabel in San Dimas, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. This is my first episode for the month of December 2020, and as we all know, it has been a challenging year. So as we approach the holidays, I thought it might be a nice way to wrap this year up and start the new one with a little series featuring local nonprofit organizations in our community. As I said, it has been a tough 2020, um, but I just thought that this might be a nice reminder that there is good in the world. There are always ways that we can give back to our community. There are people uh, who are doing good, hard work out there, and in the spirit of giving, I wanted to give uh, these local heroes some space on my show to talk about uh, the good work that they're doing and to Share that information with you uh, as we approach the holidays. So, the first nonprofit that I'm featuring is Wish Upon a Toy. Uh, the founder is Ryan Russick, and I had him on the show for today's interview. Ryan graduated from Azusa Pacific University with a degree in psychology. He has been recognized for his work in the community and has received the KNX Radio Helpful Honda Hero of the Week, Fortune Magazine's Heroes of the 500, and a CarMax Community Service Award. Ryan has spent five years volunteering as a lifeline counselor for the Trevor Project Suicide Hotline for LGBTQ youth and young adults. Now, Ryan is a resident of San Dimas, and he started Wish Upon a Toy After His Dad Died of Cancer. Uh, This is a nonprofit organization that delivers Christmas gifts to uh, pediatric cancer patients. And it's a really uh, touching, heartbreaking, uplifting story um, of resilience and also about finding joy in times of struggle. So I think it's really uh, pertinent to... uh, kind of what we've all been going through. This is one of our neighbors and I uh, look forward to you listening to the interview. Enjoy. All right. So now I am joined with Ryan Resick. He is uh, one of my neighbors here in San Dimas. Thanks, Ryan, for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. This is really fun. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, So let's just start at the beginning. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so um, I uh, am born and raised Southern California in this area. I grew up in Azusa, so just down the road here, and um, I graduated from Azusa Pacific University with a degree in psychology, and uh, I really wanted to work with children in in schools as like a school counselor and whatnot. I actually uh, went into a totally different field and um, I'm in the car business. So I manage uh, a whole bunch of uh, auctions in the southwestern United States. And um, it's a lot of fun, but I really like doing stuff for the community and for kids. It's my main passion. And so that's kind of how uh, Wish Upon a Toy you know, became a thing.
0: Awesome. And, uh, I mean, just out of curiosity, how did you land in San Dimas? What's, what's the story there?
1: Uh, so I grew up in Azusa, like I said, So I'm very familiar with the area. I've always loved the San Dimas Glendora area and, um, the old downtown with the, with the wooden sidewalks and all the cool stuff. I just love the city a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when I got married uh, we moved out to the Inland Empire and then always wanted to come back this way. And so I don't remember how many years ago now, I think three or four years ago, we had the opportunity to move over here mm-hmm. and uh, it just kind of worked out perfectly. And nice.
0: Nice. Yeah. We we moved here about, uh, I guess, like four years ago now. So probably around the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to be in a spot that is very small and community based and quiet but like right down the road from so many things you Mm -hmm. know right here at the 57 interchange you can go south and you're in orange county in no time or you Mm -hmm. can go to la or you can go out to rancho and it's it's kind of cool because everything here is western right so you see like the wagon wheel and everything but if you think about it san demas is kind of like that little wagon wheel it's like the the middle of the wheel and there's all those spokes you can go to any direction Mm. so it's a good spot
0: yeah i haven't thought about that uh, well, we digress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know
1: how I got talking about wagon wheels.
0: <laughs> so let, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, main topic for tonight, which is your nonprofit organization, Wish Upon a Toy. For folks listening, you know, there's a lot of different uh, Facebook groups out there about San Dimas, and that's how I got to know my neighbor Ryan, and I found out that he started a nonprofit called Wish Upon a Toy, which was uh, so interesting. I mean. You learn things about people when you just are chatting. And and I thought that was like so awesome that he started a nonprofit. And I wanted to talk with him more about it, especially as we reach the holidays. So let's just talk about Wish Upon a Toy. Tell me a little bit about it and how it started.
1: So um, back in 2003, um, it was around this time, actually 2003, uh, my dad had gotten diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. Which is a terminal uh, form of kidney cancer, mm. and uh, it was already in a pretty advanced stage. And the doctors had told him that he had only had a couple of months if he was lucky. Mm. So that was um, a huge blow to the family, obviously. And um, you know, it. It luckily he he was able to extend that. He went over to the city of hope, and um, if you're not familiar with what the city of hope is, it's a world-class, I mean, truly world-class uh, cancer hospital in Doherty, right mm-hmm. down the road here. So we're incredibly lucky to be so close to it. Mm-hmm. And um, what was a couple of months ended up being like two years. But wow. um, while he battled it throughout 2004, um, we were getting close to Christmas and the realization started sinking in that like, there's a pretty good chance that this is going to be the last Christmas with my dad. And uh, while we're going to all these different uh, treatments and what have you, we were one day we were walking past um, the pediatric ward and I saw all these kids that were battling cancer. And I know it's going to sound pretty, crazy, but not until you actually see a kid battling cancer did it at least for me, did it even really click that a kid can be going through this. Like I saw my dad who was like, you know, you're a rock. It's like your dad. Like nothing can take him down. And I saw him um, you know, kind of dwindling in size and strength and um and really fighting like for his life. And so when I saw these kids, it just something went over me. And I realized if it's my dad's last Christmas, potentially it could be this kid's last Christmas too. And they're going to be in a hospital and they're going to be scared and fighting. And it's just what a horrible last Christmas, you know, like Christmas is supposed to be so fun for kids. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that year in Oh four, I decided like, if it's going to be their last Christmas, I'm going to try to make it their best Christmas. So, uh, I was still in school. I had not much money at all, to be honest, <laughs> you know, typical college student. So uh, whatever, a few hundred bucks or something, but I went out and I took the money that I had and, um, I just bought gifts for the kids and I delivered them on Christmas morning. And I went with my dad and it was a really cool experience and, uh, driving home, uh, we just kind of started chatting about it, and he was like, "We should do this again next year. Like I'll come with you." And I was like, ah, I'm doing it again next year for sure." And so then 05 came, and uh, that year was my dad was really going downhill um, towards the end of the year. And ultimately, uh, he went into hospice care. And so Christmas Eve, he was in hospice, and I was down, you know, visiting him. I went home to wrap all the gifts for the kids on Christmas morning. And, um, when I woke up, my dad had passed away and, um, we weren't able to, to go deliver those gifts that year. And, um, you know, going through the whole emotion of the day, uh, in the afternoon, it then, like I saw the gifts on the floor and uh, I realized that, they never were delivered. You know, like in in the whole mix of everything, I I left these toys here. And um, you know, I just lost my dad like hours earlier. And so Uh, truly it could be their last Christmas. Like it could be their last few hours. And so I felt like I had to deliver these toys. So I went with my mom, she, she went with me and, um, we were just going room by room and dropping them off. And, um, you know, you'd see the parents there they're obviously very sad because they're seeing their kid, um, battle cancer. And, uh, just for a moment, I was passing them out and like the kids would get super excited, big old smile on their face or, you know, happiness and laughing and everything. And for just a moment, like the kid was happy. And for a moment, you could see the look on the parents face. And for a moment, their kid didn't have cancer and their kid was normal and they were having fun and they were acting like a kid. Shadak on Christmas morning. And, uh, it was then that I realized that like, I need to do this every single year and it needs to get bigger and it needs to give it better. And I need to give more because, um, you know, for a moment it wasn't like a Barbie or a hot wheel or a Tonka truck. It was, it was hope that there's something out there to keep you going. There's someone out there that you don't even know that, um, you know, was rooting for you and trained for you and wanting you to get better, and so um, that's kind of how it started, and it's been going ever since then.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing that. I'm like over here on the verge of like crying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it it could do that. I mean, there are some years it gets really emotional. Um, it's been happening for so long now that I feel like I somehow. Like compartmentalize that, you know, mm. a little bit, but yeah, it's definitely, it's a, it's a good, it's like good tears though. It's not, yeah. it's not good tears. It's good tears.
0: Yeah. I, I want to ask a couple follow-up questions. There are a couple of things in your story that, um, stood out to me. Um, I'm like, where do I even start? You know, something that you said that was really astounding to me was, um, you know, your dad, was going through his treatment, his cancer treatment. Um, and I've never shared this on the podcast before, but I'll I'll share it with you because we're talking about this. My mom actually has a uh, terminal stage four cancer um, and she was given a very poor prognosis and um, she has surpassed that. It's been like five, almost six years since she was diagnosed. Wow. Um, and I know how devastating that is. Uh, but when you were talking, what really um, touched me, I think, was how much you were able to uh, kind of imagine or like, yeah, imagine what the children and their families were going through. Like like you and your family were going through like this devastating crisis, you know, that, you know, cancer sucks for, you know, the patient and, and the whole family, you know, but that you were able to like have so much empathy that you could imagine or think about how these kids and their families were being impacted. So, I mean, I just want to point that out that like, I feel like it's hard to think about other people when we're going through hard stuff and just how um, amazing it is for me to hear you talk about this, like when you and your family were struggling with this, but you you know, still were thinking about other people. And obviously you talked in the beginning about how, uh, you know, working with children has always been a passion of yours. And so, I mean, that obviously comes through, I guess that's not a question. It's just an observation that I have that I'm just like in awe of that process that you had while you were taking care of your dad and with at city of hope.
1: Yeah. I mean, I uh, thank you by the way, first of all, but I, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just something that's just been inside of me, you know, like my mom You know, we've I've been doing this for what, 16 years now or something like that. And so this will be the 16th year. And so I've talked about it with my mom in the past in different interviews that I've done. And she would tell me like, oh, when you were a kid. You used to always like beg me when we would go to the bank at Christmas time, like, please, could we take one of the stars off the Christmas tree? Cause it was like adopt a family star, you know, or whatever. And I always wanted to, you know, take one. And then like, I wanted to be the person who picked out the toy for the kid. Cause like, okay, we're picking it for like little Billy or whatever. I'm going to get him the coolest toy, you know? And so she had said that that was just kind of how I was as a kid. I obviously don't remember that. But, <laughs> um, so I don't know, maybe it's just something that I just enjoy doing, Mm-hmm. And I don't even know I was born that way, I guess. I, I don't
0: know. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. It's really beautiful to hear you talk, too, about uh, delivering those gifts and, you know, not just delivering toys, but like almost delivering like that moment of normalcy and joy, you know, on Christmas for them.
1: It is definitely That portion of what is now Wish Upon a Toy has definitely grown over the um, 16 years. I got to say it is definitely better now than it was back then. Few people have been able to experience it because it is Christmas morning and because of the restrictions of going into a hospital with children. Mm -hmm. And so, but the people that have, it is, it is really amazing moment to go to deliver them on Christmas morning and to see the kids. Mm -hmm. It, It is really amazing.
0: Oh my gosh. Now I'm like, how do I sign up to volunteer? I feel like that would just be so incredible.
1: So I know, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here because this is kind of uh, over the years, how it's transitioned, but uh, I will, I will jump ahead if that's okay. But so before So Wish Upon a Toy was always just me buying stuff. And um, the nurses were cool enough uh, to let me know just uh, age and gender because of HIPAA regulations, obviously. And so I would just kind of guess like, well, what would a seven year old boy want or a six year old girl want? You know, and so. I would buy stuff and it seemed like everyone was happy. But as it's progressed, I started realizing like not every six year old girl likes a Barbie or something like that. And not every boy wants a Tonka truck. And so while I'm just kind of getting these like gendered gifts, some of them may want something totally different, or they may be into science or arts and crafts or whatever. And so I started thinking like, Yes, it is the thought that counts, right? And it's like a nice gesture. But if I'm going to do it, I should like try to tailor it to the actual kid. And mm-hmm. so a couple of years ago, we were able to start um, the Christmas morning wish list. And so basically, for those that don't know, if you're at the City of Hope and you're in Pediatrics Ward, for Christmas, they try to get you home. They don't want you to be there if they could get you to your house. Mm-hmm. So the week before Christmas, they're really pushing to get everyone strong enough and on the right meds and you're not going to be home for a long time but you could be home for a few days and then you come back Mm -hmm. but if you're there on christmas morning it's because you can't leave like it's for the sickest of the sickest kids and so again going back to the like what if this is their last christmas concept i thought like well, I want to get them their number one wish. And obviously that would probably be health, right? But the number one tangible thing I could get them. And so uh, we started that wish list program a couple of years ago. They tell us a couple of days before Christmas what their number one thing is. And then we go out and buy it. So since that started, we've done everything from, you know, video game consoles to MacBook computers and iPads and cameras, um, uh, one little 12-year-old girl, she came from a pretty uh, low-income family. And uh, her number one wish for Christmas was just new reading glasses so she could read. And so we got her hooked up with a ton of different um, gift cards for Barnes & Noble. We went to Lance Crafters and got her the best prescription you can get and all that stuff. And so it's a full range of like super cool drones and toys to sometimes maybe even just a basic thing. But if it's their number one wish, then we're going to we're going to get it. We've gotten Disneyland passes and all sorts of things like that. Uh, I say all that because the Christmas morning delivery, which we were talking about, um, has always been great. But since we've started the wish list, it is like exponentially more amazing to show up and you know deliver the gifts and for the most part we get to actually see them open it as long as they're like awake and, and comfortable you know and um I don't even know how to describe it to see them open it and they just like break down in tears and the family's so thankful and we've had um parents like run down the hall and like chase us and thank us because they didn't want to do that in front of the kid, you know, or or whatever. And so it is a really fun fun morning and and it's turned something selfishly right because I lost my dad on Christmas morning it's turned something that would be traditionally a very very challenging hard day to go through into something where you know it takes my mind completely off of it and so like my Christmas morning is no longer just sitting around and being um you know sad for what what that day is And now it's just kind of filled with a whole bunch of joy. And, um, And I think, honestly, that's what my dad would be wanting to do right now, too, if he could. You'd want to continue it.
0: I mean, and how beautiful that you and your dad kind of started that together. And, you know, now, you know, it's it's this way to remember him in a really kind of joyful way, you know, that he was part of that in the beginning.
1: Yeah, it is neat. Cause he did get to at least see it one time. So,
0: yeah. Um, cool. So I think that's super awesome how you, you talked about the program has grown and changed over the years. And now you're really able to uh, tailor the gifts for each child. And uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, patients in the program. Uh, pediatric oncology ward because um, so I uh, am a social worker and one of my internships was in a pediatric hospital. I didn't work in oncology, but I worked in the hospital. And um, I just want to kind of explain a little bit more. You've touched on this, but for people who are listening who don't know or understand, but like you said, you know, the pediatric oncology ward is like really for the sickest of the sick. Like I remember going to visit that, like just how many precautions that that. Um, the medical staff would take like you know you couldn't be sick you had to uh be really careful about washing and uh there were some rooms that were like isolated i mean it's a it's a really uh pretty strict environment and so you know like like we've been talking about these kids who have cancer uh being in a hospital on christmas is like the farthest thing from normal that, you know, that a kid could experience on Christmas day. And so I guess I just want to paint that picture a little bit for people listening, uh, you know, who have never had that experience because it is um, a really challenging thing, I think for, for any family to go to, but especially a kid uh, with cancer on Christmas.
1: Yeah, it is by far the, farthest thing away from a normal Christmas morning. You touched on some of those rooms. I mean, every single room that you go into, regardless of their level of treatment, you have to do mask, gloves, gown, you come out, you throw them away, you go to the next room, mask, glove, gowns, boom. Um, And then they do have some um, for the very sick that are negative pressure rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, So for people that don't know, usually if you're in a room, um, and you have a gap underneath your door, a draft will come in. That's why a lot of times people will put towels out or something if it's a cold draft, right? So it's, the air is coming in, but on a negative pressure room, it's built in a way with their filtration, that air comes out. So if you're opening a door, the, you know, bacteria and viruses won't come in. So on those ones, you get fully dressed and then you open a door to like a lobby. And then that's where you get like, sterilized and then you open a second door to the room and so um you know there are kids in those rooms on christmas morning and so you think about your regular christmas morning you wake up and you're like santa and you run down the hall and you open up everything and it's like yay here it's like a whole process just to get into the room with the person um and this year specifically because of covid and everything we're handling the children if you're under 18, are only allowed one person. So this year, this Christmas in particular, it's going to be even that much more challenging and that much more different because you're not going to even be able to have your mom and your dad. You're going to have one or the other and no siblings or anything like that. So it is very, very different. Um, But we try our best to at least make it happy Mm -hmm. or, 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 or some sort of you know, happy moment in the day.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you talked a little bit about COVID kind of increasing the precautions this year. Are, has that impacted the work that Wish Upon a Toy is doing in other ways too?
1: Majorly. So typically, back in 04, we started and we just brought gifts and then kind of going all the way back down on a timeline. I started collecting gifts from my church and from different people. And so then I, I had a couple hundred gifts and then a few years into it, the hospital and I talked and we're like, we have way too many toys for these kids. Like there's not that many kids here. And so, um, we decided like, what if we do a toy store? We now have the Christmas morning event for the children, but a week before Christmas, we have a pop-up toy shop that we do at the city of hope. And it's for the adult patients. When they kind of pitched the idea to me, I thought, why in the world would adult patients want to come to a toy store? (laughs) It makes no sense. Um, But they were like, well, no, check it out. You know, it, it, these patients, you know, they can't leave the hospital to go shopping for their kids. And mm-hmm. some of them, because of medical costs, they can maybe have someone go shop for them, but they don't have any money because all their money is being tied up on, on these medical bills. And so um, if we can give them a toy store, then they can, from the safety of the hospital, go, you know, quote, shop. For stuff, it's all hundred percent free. They, we set it all up, and they walk through. They pick what they want, as many things as they want, for all their kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, whoever they needed the shop for. And then when they're done, our whole team of volunteers will wrap them, put bows on them, you know, labels and everything else. It's a really great way for now an aunt or an uncle to still be able to get gifts for their nieces and nephews, or their you know their grandchildren, or whoever it is. You know, we've had some really great experiences over the years with even some patients who got better, thankfully, and they got home and they were so touched by it that they then become volunteers with us and they've come back and they volunteered for years. And it it is really great. I, I really love when those people do that because they're wrapping a gift and on the other side of the table is someone that they can completely connect with. And then they're like, well, let me tell you my story. I was literally right there two years ago and now I'm right here rapping for you. And it's a really a powerful message of hope and, you know, fighting and everything. And it. you can see the people kind of like their, their eyes get bigger, like, oh my gosh, I can, I can win. Like I can beat this, you mm-hmm. know? And so it is a really cool thing. Um, but because of COVID this year, we're not going to obviously be able to do that. So there's no visitors allowed in the hospital at this time. Um, Unless you're under 18, you have one. And so we obviously can't have a toy store. So right now, what I'm in the process of doing uh, is making a digital toy store. So I'm on my website, going to have a password protected toy store um, where patients can go in. They can pick all their things just like you would on target or Walmart or whatever, add it to your shopping cart, check out, enter a promo code that I give you. Everything gets zeroed out. So it's free. And then um, I'll get a alert that you've, you know, submitted your order and then I can just go drop it off to the hospital. The nurses will meet me outside and then um, they'll deliver them. So it's going to be a totally different intent. It's not going to require a lot of volunteers. Um, it actually can't because of COVID protocol, but, We're hopefully going to still be able to give them some sort of Christmas thing. And this year, more than ever, uh, I feel like people are going to need the help. You know, there's people that are battling cancer and potentially lost their job or or maybe their spouse lost their job. And so um, I'm really looking forward to being able to kind of think out of the box here and do something different.
0: Yeah, I mean it sounds like you're being super creative in well so regarding the uh toy store idea I mean that's just awesome it sounds like the hospital uh kind of brought that idea to you about like letting the adult patients shop and um you know who would have thought but that sounds like a great idea um but with covid right now I mean that's awesome that you're able to think creatively and have like an online store for the patients but so you said that the adult patients at City of Hope can't have any visitors right now
1: right now because of covid it's it's completely locked down so um no visitors uh and if you're under 18 you get one
0: wow wow that yeah. is it's so a that's tough the year other thing.
1: it is and that's the other thing is some of these adult patients are also you know doing really bad and they're also in negative pressure rooms and um i can't imagine going through all of that in not having someone with you by your side, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that this virtual toy store, I think, you know, I'm hopeful that it's going to be as successful as every other year, but, um, you know, it's going to be our first try. So we're going to do the best we can, but I think it's going to work good. And, um, it should be able to go to every patient, you know, usually in a, a regular toy store year, they come to us, but then, Again, there are some people that are so sick that they can't even leave the rooms. And so uh, we have these mobile toy carts that we built that has like a wrapping station on it and it has toys. And we had, you know, people like the Lakers or um, Hask Beauty Supply um, Beauty Brand. Uh, They donated money to, you know, buy a cart. So it's all their logos are all over it. And so we use those carts to go to the people in the room that can't leave, that they're so mm-hmm. sick they can't leave. Mm-hmm. So this year it's all being virtual. So um, we'll still be able to hit all those people. So I'm I'm really hopeful it's gonna work out pretty good. It's gonna be a totally different year uh, for collecting because usually we have collections all over Southern California at schools and churches, we're outside of Targets and Walmarts. And I mean, geez, there's too many things to list, but we can't do any of that this year because of COVID and um, trying to sterilize that many boxes and where do they come from and everything's just going to be way too hard. This year, we're really going to try to just focus on collecting the money and then just buying the toys ourselves. And so we can kind of try to limit the amount of hands that have touched that package in the process. As to the best of our abilities, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so this year, let's talk about right now. If people listening want to support your organization and the work that you're doing, what is the best way for folks who are you know listening and feeling ex- inspired to get involved?
1: Yeah, so the absolute best way this year is by donating. Um, the money, since we're not going to have any opportunities to actually donate the time, you know, or or even collect the gifts. Um, So if you went to wishuponatoy.com, there's a tab that says donate, you can click on there and you can donate via a totally secured PayPal. Um, You can donate to us on Venmo. And we soon will be setting up even a, a text to donate a line which will be on our website as well. Um, so there's a couple options or the address is located on our website and you can even send a check if you want to do it that way. Um, the one thing I do want to say though is um I know that there are some organizations that are always like money, 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 give us money, you know, and then you're wondering how much of this is actually going to go to the kid at the hospital. Um, every single person involved, myself included, every single person that has anything to do with this organization is 100% volunteer. We don't take any money for anything. It doesn't pay for our, our cell phone bills, our car payments, Our vacations, nothing. It's 100% to buy the gifts. So if you do want to donate, regardless of the amount that you donate, five bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, though that money will be going to buy the toys for the kids. It's not going to be going for anything else. And that's something that I've always been really proud of. And I always want to continue because I don't want it to take away from the experience of the kids. Mm. And so. That's our goal. And that's what we're going to keep doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. That's good to know. So this year, since you can't have volunteers, you can't really take toy donations. uh, The best way is for people to donate uh, to the organization. And let's hope and pray really hard that the holidays are back to normal in 2021. And by then you'll get a bunch of toy donations and volunteers as well.
1: Yeah, 2021. Like you said, let's hope everything's back to normal. But if you're listening now, and you also think, well, sure, I'll donate somebody now. But I do really want to get involved next year. Definitely. We can always use volunteers. We love having people help us collect the toys, help us wrap the gifts at the event. The great thing about it, too, is it's a really good experience for your kids to participate in.
0: That's what I was thinking
1: especially during the holidays. So even though they may not be able to come to the hospital and wrap the gifts, because maybe they're only like four or five or something like that, they can still participate in collecting the gifts and donating it. Or we've had kids in elementary school and high school, middle school, like all over the board, do their own toy drives at their school where, you know, they will rally the troops and everyone will uh, we'll drop off those like cool bins, you know, that you see at different stores mm-hmm. and all the kids will donate the toys. You know, it's a really cool way to get kids involved to like, I want to, let's, you know, let's collect toys for other kids and, and just teaching them that, um, to be thankful for what they have and most importantly, their health, but also, you know, the toys that they have in their room.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I thought about that in the early in this interview, I thought, Oh, I'd love to do this with my kids. You know, when they're a little bit older, is this something that mostly like takes place around the holidays or are you doing work throughout the year
1: um right now our two events are just the holidays and just at city of hope but we do throughout the year go to different hospitals so um if there is if you're listening to this also and you you have someone that you know um that is you know battling you know, cancer, or even it doesn't even have to be cancer, if it's a kid that's battling a rare disease, and they're at, you know, Children's Hospital LA or Orange County or wherever, um, you know, reach out to us because we've helped kids at chalk and, and Children's Hospital LA, Children's Hospital San Francisco, um, we will go out throughout the year and deliver gifts to kids for their birthdays or, or sometimes it's just like, they're really struggling right now. It's like in the deepest part of their treatment and uh, they need you know a pick me up Mm -hmm. so we'll go do it if you think of us throughout the year definitely reach out if you have someone that needs some extra love or some extra hope we're there but if it's during the christmas time that the events are only city of hope for right now our goal would be to get so big and be so recognizable in Southern California that people know about us. And then we could do that everywhere. I mean, it it would be great to just do City of Hope on a Monday and Children's Hospital on a Tuesday and just keep going around Southern California, just hospital by hospital doing it.
0: That would be amazing. I mean, you've grown so much in the time that uh, you've been around. So, I mean, dream big, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's going to be the goal, at least.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm just in awe of how, you know, you've done so much and kind of taken what was an activity like literally for you and your family and now have turned it into this like pretty big nonprofit operation and uh, really changing uh, a lot of people's lives for the better, I think.
1: I mean, I hope I I would hope so. And, And it's... It's even like I said earlier, selfishly, right? Like it's helped me get through a lot of hard Christmases and a lot of hard time. It's helped my siblings, you know, kind of get through it. One of my brothers one year just kind of broke down crying at the event. And he was like, you know, I've been very angry for a lot of years as to why we lost our dad and like why our dad and and, you know, why then? And, um, he's like, but I see all of this and everything that's happening. And I'm realizing that like, you know, we may have lost her dad, but like, look at all these other people that are having like these really great moments really all because my dad got sick because quite frankly, I don't know if I would have ever even gone down this road if I didn't experience the pain of having that cancer hit someone that you love, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I have one last question that I'd love to end uh, this interview on. And I'm wondering if there's a memorable uh, moment in your work doing this all these years. Um, I don't know, maybe like a particular child that you worked with or, you know, conversation that you heard between people in the toy shop. I don't know if there's something that you can share that just has really stood out to you uh, in doing this uh, work.
1: And there's every single year, there's so many, I, it would be hard to pick just one. I mean, I had one, one year, it was the very last person that came through the shop and it was a lady. She just completely, completely broke down crying. Um, Her husband was a police officer. He was fighting for his life in the hospital and uh, they had sat down um, just like two days prior with their two children and explain to the kids that, you know, dad is gonna go into the hospital in like two days and we don't have any money. And so they had to explain to their kids that they weren't gonna be able to get Christmas gifts this year, you know? And so now these kids that are healthy, but are going through the tragedy of their dad battling cancer is not only gonna be at, at a hospital on Christmas morning with their dad, But now they're not going to even have Christmas gifts. And so it's kind of like a double blow to a kid. And um, they showed up to the hospital. They had no idea that the event was happening. And they were like, go, go, hurry, go up there. You know, they're wrapping up right now. And so she was there right when we were packing up. And we just were able to get her so many different um, gifts for her kids. And she was like at the end to a point of like almost uncontrollably crying because she was like, oh, my gosh like we're going to have Christmas for our kids. Like you guys saved Christmas for our family. And so, um, and there's so many different stories like that. Mm. I mean, so many different stories. There was a kid, there was a guy who was probably our age and he was there for his nieces and nephews to get some toys. And we had, um, Man, I'm gonna forget the name of it, but it was a toy that when we grew up, it was like there was the easy bake oven, but then there was like the creepy crawler or something. Yeah. Like, like make all those like little monsters. Yes. I can't remember the name of them, but it was like creepy crawler, or whatever. We had one of those and he saw it and he was like, Oh my God. I always dreamt of having one of those <laughs> kids. And I never got one. And I was like, You're getting one this year, bro. And I gave him the Creepy crawler oven, and I'm like, this one's for you, dude. And he was so excited. Like he, it was like he was a kid all again, like that, like a cheesy Christmas movie, right? That's like, amazing. You're making some creepy crawlers tonight in your oven. And we've had just so many different cool stories. One patient on Christmas morning, we brought her a MacBook and uh, we went down the hall to the next person. And the mom and the dad came out, bawling, just like hugging and crying and saying, honestly, the nicest stuff that I've ever heard anyone Say, I mean, it was totally not deserving, but it was really an emotional moment, and she's been a huge supporter ever since. Mm. And um, so, it, I, it's hard to pick the exact one because it seems like every year there's like one huge one that stands out, you know?
0: Wow. Yeah, gosh, I'm sure there's so many stories. Well, All right, sign me up, Ryan.
1: Next year, man, we've got to get to a place where we can have crowds again. And then I'm going to be super excited. It's going to be the first year in 16 years that I don't do that. It's going to be really weird Christmas for me, uh, not having the toy store event, but hopefully this digital one will work just as well. Yeah. It's a good backup in case we ever had a, for some reason, not do it in person.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, now you have this whole other, um, Option you you've thought outside of the box and now it could just be part of what you do moving forward.
1: Yeah, or maybe you know what I literally just thought of this right this second, but maybe that's how we expand to some other um, hospitals. Oh you know?
0: yeah, and then like, do like a mass sure. delivery. Uh, you know, of, yeah, the I gifts. literally
1: just we thought about that right here on <laughs> the podcast. That could be the way to do it.
0: You heard it on Isabel and Sandy Ms. first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Awesome, right. Really. Well, thank you so much. I really loved this interview. We laughed, we cried. Uh, it was full of everything.
1: Thank you for having me. I always love telling the story and I still get really excited when people even want to, you know, hear about it. <laughs> Sometimes I just think like, why do you even want to hear about it? It's just this little thing, but you know, I I do enjoy it sharing the story and i enjoy going out and helping the kids so any way that we can get the story out there so we can get more volunteers and more ability to help the kids you know the better
0: yeah i mean i think people like hearing the story because it's pretty amazing and i hope that folks listening uh you know check out your website make a donation sign up to volunteer and uh, get involved because uh, you're doing pretty some pretty good stuff
1: Thank you. Thank you. WishUponAToy.com.
0: Yeah. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Ryan. All right. See ya. I loved learning all about Wish Upon a Toy on today's episode, and I hope you did too. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on my website you can visit Isabelinsandemas.com/slash wish upon a toy to leave some comments. Did you know about Wish Upon a Toy before hearing today's interview? Is this an organization that you would be interested in? Being involved with either by making donations or volunteering sometime in the future to deliver gifts. It sounds like it could be a really moving and eye-opening experience for someone uh, who's never experienced anything like this before. Uh, Feel free to leave me a message on my website. Look forward to chatting with you there. There are a number of updates and events that I want to make you aware of. First, I want to let you know about the 12 days of San Dimas because of the coronavirus pandemic and uh, the inability for people to gather in large groups right now. The city is hosting a bunch of virtual and socially distanced events throughout the month of December. I'm not going to talk about all of them. You can learn more um, from the city. Uh, I will link to that information on my website. Uh, But one event in particular that I'm excited about is the Holiday Drive-In, and that is on December 11th. They're showing two movies, Elf at 525 and the Grinch at 730. And if you are interested in registering for that, it's $20 per vehicle. Also, right now, the holiday parking moratorium has started, so we will be able to park on the streets overnight through the new year. That is always good news and uh, welcome around the holidays. Lastly, I wanted to share about uh, some interesting stuff on the upcoming city council agenda. It's the last council meeting of the year on Tuesday, December 8th at 7 p.m. And it looks like they're talking about a lot of different things, probably because they don't have a second meeting in December. So I'm just going to uh, mention some of the highlights. I'll link to the Uh, agenda on my website, but I'll kind of go through the list right now about some of the different items in case they are interesting to you and you want to tune in. So under uh, Section 4, I'll start with A, the city is going to be reviewing procedures of appointments to city boards, commissions, and committees, and rules governing those bodies. So basically what that means is in the last city council meeting, there was some discussion about scheduling interviews for the Parks and Recreation Committee. Uh, It currently has four vacancies, and there were three applicants, and the city decided to postpone those interviews so that uh, the council could come up with some general rules, guidelines, standards, whatever you want to call it, for um, folks interested in applying for commissions. At the meeting, they will be discussing that more. And as I said, there are four vacancies on the Parks and Recreation Department. So if that is something that interests you, I encourage you to apply, and I will link to that information on my episode notes. Item 4B on the agenda is a review of public noticing requirement for development projects and land use planning applications. If you have been following uh, my episodes about specific plan 23, which includes the packing house property uh, that happened earlier this year, this agenda item has to do with public noticing for those properties and just general projects uh, that may come up in the future. So what happened was in a recent council meeting, some council members wanted to uh, increase the radius of notification for public hearings. So what that means is when a project like Like this comes up, or a zoning change, or anything like that, uh, the city is required to notify people who live within a 300 foot radius of the project site. So, regarding SP 23, uh, because it's so close to the residential neighborhood and there has been a lot of interest in those properties, uh, some council members wanted to increase that radius from 300 feet. Other council members disagreed and felt that um, it should remain at 300 feet because of the added costs, that uh, postage and such would cost to notify more people. And so uh, that is why they're having this discussion on the agenda. Uh, Furthermore, they will be discussing just sort of a general policy for noticing uh, for public hearings on different matters. So um, if you're interested in SP23, I recommend you pay attention to this. Just my two cents, you know, uh, this podcast is all about transparency, raising awareness about what's going on in the community. Um, so, personally, I don't see a problem in notifying more people about what's going on at SP23. Um, I do see that there are some added costs to notifying more people because, of course, you have to pay for postage and paper and envelopes and things like that. So, it's a balancing act between uh, transparency and wanting to notify the greatest number of people about an issue that might impact them and uh, managing the finances of that notification. And just for your reference, if in case you're interested, uh, the current 300-foot notification radius is $148.00 to notify 296 residents. So every time they have a public meeting about this, it costs $148. If they were to increase that radius to 500 feet, the cost would be $165 for notifying 330 residents. And if they increased that radius to 1,000 feet, uh, 720 uh, property owners and tenants would be notified and the cost would be $360 per notification of a public meeting. So $148 for a 300-foot radius or $360 for a 1,000-foot radius, in the grand scheme of things, when you're operating under a multi-million dollar budget and, you know, the city just made a $10,000 donation, $360 doesn't seem like a whole lot to benefit the immediate neighborhood. During the city council meeting on Tuesday, the city will also be reviewing and possibly approving a small business grant program for small businesses during this difficult time. There's also going to be a review of waste management rate increases. I know residents are never happy about that, but it looks like it's just standard procedure. And lastly, uh, there is a resolution on the agenda to initiate park land abandonment of Horse Thief Canyon Park. So basically uh, what that is about is there is a sliver of property in Horse Thief Canyon Park that has been determined to not be currently used as parkland, and uh, the city will be abandoning that to a potential developer that's right next door um, to develop some properties. It has to do with a retention basin that's required for the development to go in. And I do believe the city will be reimbursed for that exchange. All right, well, that was a lot of updates. My personal tidbit for the week, in case you're interested, is that I applied for the Parks and Recreation Commission. So, hope to get one of those spots. If you are listening to this and you want to hang out on the Parks and Recreation Committee, feel free to submit your application. And again, I will link to that on my website, slash wish upon a toy. That is it for me today. Thanks for joining me. I'm Isabel in San Dimas. Before I go, I want to encourage you to connect with one of your neighbors. Today, I'm going to offer you a couple different ways you can do that. Uh, First, I wanted to uh, share a GoFundMe for a friend of mine in San Dimas who lost her dad to COVID. He was a nurse, a frontline worker, and she just celebrated her birthday. So I'm going to link to that GoFundMe on my website if you're interested in hearing her story and learning more and making a donation uh, to help her and her siblings stay in their home in San Dimas. Another opportunity would be to uh, donate to Spark of Joy. Uh, they are collecting toys at the fire station. Uh, they're accepting unwrapped new toy donations through December 23rd. And lastly, if you weren't already inspired to do so, I would encourage you to connect with our neighbor, Ryan Russick and make a donation to his nonprofit, Wish Upon a Toy. As always, you can find me at isabellinsandimas.com. Reach out. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what your plans are for the holidays, what you're doing to make this holiday season memorable despite the crazy 2020 we have just gone through. So send me a message anytime. I look forward to chatting with you and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.